Please pray with me. O Lord, cause us to forget not who we are, nor fail to see and hear your Christ, that we might turn to you and be healed. Amen. Please be seated. I want to let you know that uh, I have been in conversation with Father Sean, and I'm delighted to be here with you today. And the girls were asking, why are we going? And I told them that, well, uh, Uncle Sean is uh, off, and he's studying, he's on sabbatical, and we're going so that the people would not be deprived from hearing the word of God. Uh, Lord, may this sermon be your word. Um, but as I've been talking to him, uh, be not confused. He is drinking from the heady cup of scholarly life. And so in preparation for his return, I've added extra Greek into the sermon for you. That way when you come back, you'll be used to it. He told me once, only two words, Mark, only two words. I didn't count this time. The other thing I'm going to do at the beginning, which I told Alicia, my wife, that I wasn't going to do, but I'm nerding out already, is to point something out at the very beginning of the Matthew text, which I will take as my primary text. It's something that all of the gospel authors, all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, attend to, and I think it's really important for what we're going to hear today. It starts out in the beginning of 13 where it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. You know, the subnoctic gospels, they just don't add anything in for the sheer fun of it. Um, and this is no different. Uh, there's... There's numerous points in the Gospels where Jesus is compared to Jonah. If you watch carefully, the, the authors, they'll even take specific words out of the account of Jonah's interaction with God and Nineveh and use those words when the apostles are interacting with Jesus. And maybe even situations that occur in the Jonah account will also be used with Jesus. And I, I don't think this is outside of that. I'll put it in the positive. I think this is a comparison of Jesus to Jonah because when Jonah is sent, he gets in a boat and leaves. And when Jesus is sent, he gets in a boat and he sits down and he teaches to the people. Jesus is the better Jonah. Remember that as we walk through this parable. So this parable is the first of seven which occur throughout chapter 13. And, and the very end is the one that warns us that there will be a sorting. It actually calls us to change. But we're at the beginning. So let's prepare our hearts to attend to the gift that Christ gives us here in the first of this parable set. And, and we should know when we go into any parable that the keys to the parable, and really it's a principle throughout Scripture, is that the secrets that God is revealing, the mysterion, the mysteries, the hidden things that are being revealed, 
They are revealed to those who seek them. This should not be a surprise to us, right? Psalm 1, we should be thinking about how the blessed one who is fruitful, the tree that grows by that stream, the reason why it's fruitful is it attends to the word of God, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So when you sit and meditate, when you chew over, when you return again and again and again and ask, what is this? What shall I do? Who are you and who am I? The mysteries are revealed to us. So let me share my meditation on this for the week. First of all, notably, and this, this is a common mistake when we get to the parables, the parable isn't primarily about us. If we're going to this parable and jumping straight to application, we've missed it. Okay? So, if it's not about us, as we walk through this, I want you to, to pause and listen to the text with ears. Not primarily about you, about your responsibility, about your condition, about your acceptability. But listen to the emphasis. What is this really about? Jesus starts out, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Where are we starting? This parable is seed-centric. We're talking about who sends it, the sower, where does it go, and what happens. The sower, it's the activity of the sower and its results we watch. Where they go, the path, and what happens to them, the birds, is almost incidental because it's what's happening to the seed that's important. Right? Matthew recounts also Jesus' unpacking of this. Here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Greek. I love Greek. I love sharing Greek with you. Two words that's going to be important for this. The first one is to hear, right? He says... When anyone hears the word, that word here is akuo. Can you say that? Akuo. Akuo. Yeah? All right. Akuo has, has double duty in here, and that's really important. Akuo could mean actually hearing, like I heard you. But akuo also has in it for this parable the idea of listening, right? If you've ever dealt with children, there's a difference between them hearing your voice and listening to your voice, yes? If you've ever been that child, you know there was a difference between hearing your parents and listening to your parents. And that plays out in this parable, those who hear and those who hear and listen. 
The other one is understanding. Suniemi. Suniemi has, it, it's actually a, a contraction. Uh, the first one, soon, is, is this idea of with. But it's not just in the same place or at the same time. There's, there's this depth to it. There's a bonding there. You are with your spouse. You do life together. When you have close friends, you are with them. Your friendship has bound you up with them. They're not casual acquaintances that you can walk away with. You will do life with them. It's the blessing of God in that. So you, you, you have this soon with and a me. And in that, it's to send. So you are with what was sent. So our English here of to understand, it's not cognitive primarily. Right? This is this is dedicating to yourself to what was sent. It's joining what was sent. The great layman and commentator Frederick Dale Bruner puts it in these terms to suniemi, to understand is to have loyalty to the message and to actively stand under it to come under its authority, to be joined to it. He points out that the words work in such soil, the hard soil, is marked not by submittal to the word, but by its submittal to the surrounding culture. Therefore, it's simple for the evil one to snatch away what was sowed because they're unwilling to stand under it. They're unwilling to stand under the authority of God. Mark this. Without the word reigning in the life of a Christian, and we are talking about those in the church here. They're those who akuo. They have listened. They have joined the community and are listening. But without that word reigning in their lives, there is no fruit. It is the word that is pivotal. Even what we have will be taken away if we will not listen and stand under its authority. But as I said, the primary focus is not the fitness of the soil. You can be hard earth. There are many accounts of the saints that were hard earth. But the activity of the sower and the fruit. Notice Jesus' account. Even the hard soil has a word given to it. The seed is even cast there. Jesus is the better, the better prophet that I forgot his name. Jonah, thank you. Jesus is the better Jonah. Right. What is the next bit? Starting in verse 5, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. So what do we see in here? There's a lot of knots in this section. There's not much soil, no depth of soil, no root. 
So Jesus is talking about a condition in the agriculture of the area where you have this super thin layer, only a couple of inches over limestone rock. And the dew of the morning will moisten it, so the seeds can spring up really quickly and do quite well because that soil is rich. However, the moisture won't stay there when the sun comes out, and there is no way to get more from the depths of the earth because it's only rock. So whatever falls there comes brilliantly and fades quickly. comes brilliantly, fades quickly, and does not have time to bear fruit while it is alive. Yes? Jesus unpacks this. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Immediately is used twice there, right? Both immediately receiving the word, and it's actually a reception of it. This isn't a farce. They're taking it in. They're joining to it. But then he immediately falls away. That falling away, scandalizo, which we get scandalized from, right? That scandalizo, the falling away, is, is not just departing from it, right? It's a, it's a point where a person distrusts and deserts one whom he ought to trust and obey. You probably know someone like this. Someone might have sprung up quickly and been vibrant in the faith, and hard times came, as hard times will do. And they couldn't handle it. They didn't expect it. They felt betrayed, perhaps, and blamed Christ for the trouble in their lives. This is scandalizo. There's no depth of root. The seed is sown and taken in, but it's not fully joined to, it's not allowed to penetrate. When the word of truth and the personal relationship with the word has not made its way into our soul, there's no counting of the cost, as we're told to do. In short, we've not learned yet to, that to live requires that we die. And when we are called to die, we distrust the one who died for us. Because he was supposed to save us from this mess, not call us into it. There was a Roman Catholic priest, Father Damien, who tended to a leper colony in Hawaii. And so great was his service to our Lord that Rome canonized him and the Anglican Communion in America marked him in our own calendar. He died a leper in that colony, having contracted the very disease of those he served. The soil that has no depth can't fathom that God would call us to go and serve only to die. What a waste. How scary. 
the word bears fruit in us when we die. This is the power of the word. You can die and yet you will live. The word invites us to come and die and if we will not, we simply cannot bear fruit. Fruit comes from death that begets life. The seed sown among thorns. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. This is the shortest of them all. It's interesting. Not only is it the shortest, but the time given to the seed is short compared to the time given to the thorns. The thorns get more airtime, right? And what does Jesus say? He says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Honestly, this is the one I worry most about for myself. I really do. And the reason being is if I'm trying to be faithful in my walk and figure out how to live that out in the circumstances, I can get bound up in the circumstances and fail to attend to his word. I can be so concerned about doing that word in this situation or how this situation is preventing me from doing this other thing, right? That I end up staring at the situation and I spend so much time in the situation that I never attend to the word like he's, he's called me to. Cares here where he says, but the cares of the world are anxiety and worry. This word is only used nine times in all of Scripture. That surprised me. I thought it would be more. Only nine times, and most of them are in this parable in the Synoptic Gospels. Once, it's used to describe St. Paul's fixated concern for the church. And three times, it discusses our proper response. To give them to God. It's not bad to acknowledge your concerns and anxiety but if you will not give them to God, they'll consume you, right? Deceit of wealth. The deceit of wealth, the saving power wealth has in our imagination, it's, it's a roadway into sin. That's this concept of deceit. It lays the path, and if you walk down it, you get to sin, and you just get stuck there. And time passes quickly. It's not that they didn't hear. It says they accrued. It's that they didn't, they didn't give it prime place. The place of honor. But Jesus is the better Jonah. That seed was sown even among the thorns. And there are many saints who have been thorns. How great is our God that seeds can bear fruit even amongst thorns. 
So, so where do we get fruit, right? Let's, let's look at this good soil. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the thing I want to highlight here. Remember how we started. This isn't about us. It's about the seed. So notice, when it comes to the good soil that actually produces, there's no information given about what that soil is to be good. Right? The parable contains nothing about that. And when we go over to Jesus' unpacking of it in verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. Hears and suniemi and stands under. You can be hard-packed earth. You can be shallow. You can be riddled with thorns. But if you are willing to stand under the word of God, the power of the word is your life will bear fruit. And abundantly. This 30, 60, 100, it's not just rhetorical. There are accounts of a single grain of wheat bearing forth 30 more. It's not unheard of. In this time and in this land, there are accounts of a single grain of wheat bearing forth 60 more. That's a bit more bizarre. There are even accounts of a single grain of wheat bearing forth 100 more. It's remarkable. As in creation, so too in the author of creation. If he can do it in wheat, he can do it in our lives, and he does do it. The condition of the soil isn't the absence of shallowness or cares or deceits. It is the opposite of the hard soil, which cares not for the word. So we've unpacked it. And in a moment, I'm going to pause and ask God where we have failed to hear and listen and stand under his word. So we'll be ready for confession. Confession won't be long enough. It never is. Confession here gathered together will not feel long enough if you're not attending to confession in the middle of the week. I always know I haven't been attending in the week when I want to confess a lot on Sunday. And it's a good correction for the following week. But we are going to pause. And the devil doesn't want us doing this. The evil one wants to snatch that seed wants to take that away. And so I want to remind you of a few things. First, hear the testimony of St. Paul. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Don't forget the difference between condemnation and conviction. 
when you hear condemnation, you will be that thing. You are unacceptable. You're totally messed up. You are a sinner. You are unworthy of this. God doesn't want you. Sometimes it's Satan. Sometimes it's ourself. But that's condemnation. And in Christ, there is no condemnation for us. Now, conviction is, that's not who you are. You're redeemed. When you did that thing, that's not you. Give it to me, Christ says. Give it to me. Die. C.S. Lewis has a beautiful portrait of this when the man caught in lust that sits on his shoulder and whispers and doesn't want to die finally hands it over and says, fine, fine. Do it. Kill it. And it's transformed. God calls us to transformation and the gift of his love, not condemnation and separation from him. So the issue is not how we will make ourselves proper soil. It's not whether we will, will allow and uh, it's whether we will allow and partner with the work the sower would do in us by listening to God's word and obediently standing under it. Matthew is clear. Jesus told this parable to display the work of the word in us when our faith causes us to follow. For surely Christ will see a harvest of fruit out of us by his hands and not our efforts. Yes? The other thing is, it is time to do it. Here, this day, this hour. Saying, I'll do it tomorrow once I've had at least a day of not sinning that way. You ever made that bargain with God? I've made that bargain. No. Next week is more convenient. No. Now. The seed is sown and God would have it bear fruit in us. But don't be tempted to ready your soil again to make yourself fit. Be ready to be unfit and die. It's God's work, not ours, that bears fruit. And so, I beg that you would hear the testimony of the prophet Isaiah where he recounts the Lord's words to his people when the Lord says, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him when he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, fear he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. And so, O Lord, we lift ourselves to you. We're coming to a time of ministry to you in our prayers and reconciliation with you in our confession. I ask that you would convict us where we have refused to stand under your word. I ask that you would convict us where we are simply ignorant of where we have not stunned under your word. By your hand, bring about a repentance in us that will pour forth an abundance of fruit by the mercies of your spirit. O Lord, let our hearts not depart from the attention to your spirit as we consider you in our worship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene.